How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend, Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode of Locked on Bucks is our good friends at SeatGeek. Use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, L-O-Bucks for Locked on Bucks to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Go ahead and do that today. And even though it's the offseason, SeatGeek is still going. SeatGeek is still hanging out with us. They are... Uh, I don't know. They're they're for life homies, apparently. Uh, They're just going to hang out with us all the time. So that's great. We appreciate it. And we're happy to bring you great deals all summer long. Frank, uh, let's let's just start with how are you? How are are you doing? I'm good. Uh, And I have to say, the offseason has not made me any less interested in talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and the broader NBA. I'm pretty I'm pretty charged up. Maybe it's having you know these these off days um, every week where we're not doing quite everyday podcasts, yeah. but I, I feel like we're going to be podcasting three to four times and sometimes five times a week, like <laughs> yeah, all summer. I'm pretty because, sure that's going to happen too. Because I mean, the other beautiful thing is since there's not like huge news happening every day, not like, games happening every day. You know, a lot of times we can do these conversations where because you know I just can't stop talking, we end up going for. Uh, you know, an hour and a half, and then we just break it up into two podcasts, and then it yep. doesn't be stale usually. So, I, I feel like we're going to have tons of content, and thankfully, it seems like I don't know, like our our listener numbers have been holding steady, slash even going up a little bit here. Yeah, even though it's the off we season, see you so. people. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that people are are still having that that thirst for for Bucks talk and, and NBA talk, and um, you know, the, we, we've had a, I guess a, a day to think about the the lottery results and we had more workouts today in milwaukee and we had um more basketball and and certainly an interesting game tonight we're recording this after the uh Cavs just smoked the celtics in game one of the east finals which um uh, also maybe plays into a discussion we meant to have last week when we <laughs> I was gonna say this round draft up so this is gonna be the worst tease in the history of teases because it's now lasted roughly a week and a half because we teased this topic I don't know how long ago and then went off in a million different other directions but uh, <laughs> it was funny as we were getting ready and discussing what we we're gonna talk about and record tonight I was like so after that game Frank I was thinking and you're just like yep Let's have that conversation. That's exactly what we should talk about tonight. So um, let's do it. I, I think the the thing that was on my mind tonight, watching this Celtics team get mollywomped by the Cleveland <laughs> Cavaliers. Right? I've never, I've never heard that expression before, but I like it. Okay. Yeah, they got mollywomped tonight. And the, I think that's another form of boat racing, but it was ugly. It was awful. They had no answers for literally anything the Cavaliers did tonight so just totally embarrassed and again if they were going to steal one which is just crazy to say they, they were the one seed they're a very good team and we're talking about whether or not they can steal one from the Cleveland Cavaliers um, 
a bunch of people were saying, well, if they can steal one, it's game one. Okay, maybe they just can't steal one. Maybe we're just going to have eight conference finals games uh, between the two conferences and just get to the finals that we've all been waiting for all year long. So where my mind immediately went watching that game was, are the Bucks the next best team in the Eastern Conference? Like, uh, it, again, obviously the like records, they weren't this year and they're not there, but as you're looking at teams that can actually contend, can actually compete with the Cleveland Cavaliers, man, I I don't know if I if I'm I don't want to say scared or I just don't know how much I believe in all of the other factions above the Milwaukee Bucks. Like we've talked about the off season the Raptors are going to have when we were talking about them in the playoff series with the Bucks. We've talked about kind of the Celtics and how going into the playoffs, that was the team that we, we wanted the Bucks to face, even though they were going to be the one or two seed that that was a team we thought the Bucks matched up well against. We've talked about the wizards and kind of how they're, Ter- not scary like they're they're kind of scary like john wall no. scary yeah but john like wall scary. the rest of the team no and then anyone in the anyone else in the east i don't know i don't really think of them as, as very serious threats so as i was watching that game i couldn't help but think the bucks are next right like like i i again that's a very difficult thing for a bucks fan to say but i just couldn't help but watch and think about all the ways that the Bucks again, you can't stop LeBron. You can't really defend the Cavs. Their offense is, off, is, is just awesome. But in my mind, it's like, well, the Bucks wouldn't really have that problem. Or, well, they would have some more rim protection there. Or, well, Giannis could take LeBron a little bit there and, and maybe challenge this. Like, I just kept going through different hypotheticals in my mind as – imagining the Milwaukee Bucks trying to defend certain actions that the Cavs did and trying to attack the Cavs. And I kept thinking they, they are the next, they're they're next in the Eastern conference. Like that is, that is in my mind going forward. The Bucks are next in the Eastern conference. Am I crazy, Frank? Because I certainly didn't feel crazy watching that game. Well, I think it's a little crazy in the sense that um, I I would agree on Washington. I, I don't, I just don't think Washington is that scary, and they also don't have obvious means of improving themselves in, in the way that a team like Boston does. You know, a day after uh, Boston wins the NBA draft lottery, you know, the Celtics have many ways to improve, either yeah. through that pick or the 2018 Nets pick that they're going to own, um, or you know, just the fact that I just think they're a deeper, better team, better coach team than than certainly the Wizards, and um, I think you know the Raptors were a team that I thought probably had the best chance of giving the Cavs a run in this Eastern playoff chase. And nope, we saw, <laughs> we saw that was not the case. And I, I mean, I think I have a hard time getting, getting too high on the bucks given, um, you know, the Raptors ultimately took it to them and then the Raptors got absolutely smoked by the Cavs. So yeah. I, I, I thought of you, Eric name and, and your comments uh, late in the regular season, where you said you wanted the Cavs, and I realized it was not because you necessarily thought that the Bucks were going to be able to beat the Cavs, um, and it was more just about the competition and the chest and the challenge. I feel though pretty vindicated <laughs> that, uh, that I wanted no part for the record of the Cavs, and I, I think that, that that ultimately it would have been pretty unfulfilling as much as it would have been, you know, good to have had that test and experience. 
God, the you story, know, I, Frank. The stories just write themselves there. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Getting getting smoked by the Cavs, and and I realized the Bucks had you know they had one game where they beat them, another game where they went to overtime, another game where they actually where Giannis played poorly and they still were competitive into the fourth quarter in Cleveland. That, uh, it um, wasn't against playoff LeBron though. Yeah, exactly. It, that was not the. the I mean, the, the, it's it's hard to believe this Cavs team. What was it? They've been they were five hundred over the final fifty some games of the playoffs. I mean, just it's crazy. Just just a crazy run of like meh from a team that obviously is extremely talented and and does have you know ultimately the you know the ultimate cheat code in in the NBA in terms of LeBron. So <laughs> it's funny um, too. I was my brother was telling me about it. Uh, the other day, I think he said it was something with Windhorse or maybe one of the Cavs podcasts or, or something. But he had mentioned that he said Kyle Korver was freaked out when he got to there because as they were getting ready for the playoffs, LeBron started talking about how everything needs to be a sweep, that th- this series is a failure if we don't sweep whatever team it is. And he was sitting there thinking like, Man, like we just gotta win playoff series. Like, like, like we're trying to win sixteen games total. That's that's what we want to do. And LeBron and the Cavaliers were like, "No, we sweep series. Like that's how we get through this. That's our best path is if we go out and sweep series." And in my mind, I was just thinking like, that team was five hundred for for that stretch. Like they looked largely mediocre. I can't even imagine what would be going through my mind if I'm Kyle Korver and the team I'm playing on has been playing relatively garbage basket by their standards garbage basketball and then all of a sudden the leaders on your team are just like we're gonna sweep every single round like that's our goal that would be crazy to think just and and like those for those same reasons you said this was a team that was playing 500 basketball it's just crazy that they can just do this essentially like that they can just do this in the playoffs yeah for sure and and so let's before we get like through the Cavs, I want to let's just eliminate the other the other teams first, and and when we talk about the, you know the the kind of race to and and obviously you know I don't think the Bucks this year actually and I know Giannis said that he thought that the Bucks were actually better than the Raptors and you can make a case that you know if things go a little bit differently that they could very well have beaten the Raptors, um, but I think obviously we're talking more looking forward obviously looking forward to next year you know where did the Bucks kind of you know, fall out. And someone asked me, you know, a couple months ago, I was like, well, can, you know, can the Bucks reasonably target a, 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 you know, a top four seed? And it's like, well, of course, right? I mean, they, they, yeah. they, they won this, this year. I mean, they were not really that far off of, of having one. Um, and, you know, Atlanta is, who knows what the heck's happening to Atlanta at the five seed? Who knows what's happening with, um, with Toronto, obviously, who knows what's happening with Washington, um, you know, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're Wizards fans who we are talking about, well, maybe we shouldn't match Otto Porter, you know, and Otto Porter's <laughs> going to get a massive deal. And yeah. when Otto Porter gets 20 plus million a year, I mean, Otto Porter's a good player, but, you know, that's your team basically, right? Like, and, and they don't have a ton of assets. So I think Washington's just sort of one of those teams that is kind of bound to sort of, they can absolutely be a 50, maybe even 50 something win team again next year. Um, but like, what what is their ceiling? I mean, I just don't see a huge ceiling. I don't see either Wall or Beal being like a true like transcendent top five to seven type superstar. Um, Wall's terrific. Beal's really good. Um, but yeah, I just don't see it. And Scott Brooks, you know, did a nice job with them this season. Um, but like, is Scotty Brooks going to lead like 
a team that isn't the most talented team in the league to you know overachieving to a top one or two seed in the east even in the east i, I just don't see it so that that's weird and then um i think toronto is probably just the the other one that you can knock out just because i mean what happens is kyle lowry staying they've got DeRozan. DeRozan's not getting better i mean he he did get better this year to his credit but we saw the limitations of that style of basketball i think yet again um in terms of their offense in particular and they're what having are, serious blow it up conversations right what it, and what do they do very with serious right there, there's a definite like huge sort of chain reaction potential there where if kyle lowry leaves or if they don't want to pay kyle lowry 35 million a year which would not be unreasonable um for them to, to not want to do that uh then you're not keeping Serge Ibaka, presumably, are you? I mean, what what are you what are you really doing? Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting because Masai Ujiri, I mean, the joke was that he wanted to blow this team up a couple years ago when he came in there, traded Rudy Gay, and then they just started playing way way better basketball. Yeah. And and ultimately became a good team. And you know, is Dwayne Casey just is he entrenched there? Is is could he potentially also be a guy that that might be looking for work? Um, I don't know. It's just tough to say. They just sort of feel like they've kind of topped out, and I think that's a good team. But um, again, the margin of error against a team like Cleveland is just, is just not big. So anyway, I think that leaves us the Celtics and and Cavs, who are also the teams left. I feel like we need to talk about SeatGeek, though, don't we? Absolutely. And the cool thing about SeatGeek is even if there are no Bucks games going on, there are no NBA games going on, and maybe you're in a city where you're lucky enough that you could see some NBA action. Um, probably preferably finals action. Uh, I don't I don't know if you actually want to go to one of these conference finals games. Uh, but if you are lucky to have some of that, you can still get NBA tickets. But there's tickets for literally everything else on SeatGeek. Uh, concerts, uh, like Summerfest, there's tickets. Baseball games. I mean, preseason football is just uh, literally a couple months away. Literally anything you could go see with SeatGeek. They have tickets for you. And the best part is that they grade all the seats out for you. They do all the research. They find the best deals on the internet and put it all in the SeatGeek app on your phone that you can download. Or they put it on SeatGeek.com for literally all those events. And it's just so simple and easy. And they grade them out as as my brother made fun of me uh, while we were at uh, the Brewers game uh, on Sunday. We, we used SeatGeek. We got some seats there. And he, he made a joke that, well, you know, we had to buy tickets day, but there there really wasn't a lot of those uh, juicy green apples out there. And I was like, no, come on. Really? <laughs> really? That That's what, okay, sounds good. Happy you're back. Happy you're home. Um, happy you're able to make fun of me. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's how you tell. You, you can see whether or not those green dots are out there, those big green dots. They grade them out for you. They let you know. Uh, and it's just super convenient and easy. And, and that's why SeatGeek is kind of the best. And it's why it's pretty much all I use. If, if I'm going to an event, I'm going to look on SeatGeek to see if I can find some tickets for that. Uh, so, it's pretty simple. All you got to do is download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, use, then select enter a promo code. Enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks, and that's going to get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And like I always say, if you've already used the that promo code and gotten that, that sweet deal on your first SeatGeek purchase... Well, still go back there. They still have great deals for everything all the time, and and, and it's all wonderful. Um, so go check out SeatGeek today and use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. All right, top of the Eastern Conference. 
like you said, we're we're down to Cleveland and Boston as far as teams that I mean you can see going in the future and the Bucks competing against. Where, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Boston? Let's go to Boston first. So Boston obviously has the number one pick in this draft. They're going to have a very good pick in next year's draft because they have the Nets pick once again. Also, they have a very, they have a good team right now. Um, I don't want to undersell that. They won fifty three games this year. What? How fearful are you of them? I, and I, on Twitter, I've mentioned a number of times. I have a whole lot of very hot Celtics takes. So, with that being said, I'm I'm going to let you go first. What What are your thoughts on the Boston Celtics and and them going forward and? their legitimacy as a Eastern Conference contender? Uh, Well, I'll say this. I mean, obviously, it's huge to get the first overall pick. But, you know, and and you called me out on this. I think I made a comment when we were talking about the Celtics. And I I made some comment like a couple months ago about like, oh, you know, the Celtics, I mean, could be set up for like the next decade with these top, (laughs) you know, high picks next couple years. And, you know, you understand we were like, dude a decade that's such a long time fair fair enough fair enough um but the i think that the the interesting thing is and and the challenge for them is first off i mean they are the envy of of most every franchise other than you know cleveland and and golden state in the sense that they have all these assets and they're already pretty good right um but we talked about last night they have a big decision if they keep this pick and take you know presumably markel fultz um, they have a huge decision to make with Isaiah Thomas. It, it is, you know, the core of their team basically, you know, a five nine Isaiah Thomas going into his early thirties, getting paid thirty five million a year or whatever he's going to be, you know, potentially owed, and and you know Markel Fultz, who obviously you know you want the ball in his hands, and it's not to say that like they can't coexist or like they can't spot up off the ball a little bit or do whatever, but it's like that's not the best use of those guys. Like yeah. Isaiah Thomas doesn't average thirty points a game and you know, at a ridiculous efficiency by spotting up on the corner. Like, this is not, you know, it's just not how, how you make the most of them. So, um, but I think the really interesting thing is for, for all the flexibility they have, to me, the swing vote is, you know, and the, I think the, the big reason why they didn't, you know, make a home run offer necessarily for Jimmy Butler or Paul George at the deadline and maybe not even this summer is, you know, they have cap space potentially that they could use on, and, the, and Gordon Hayward's the name that always comes up you know, the former pupil of, of Brad Stevens. And I think that's really the swing for me about, you know, where a team like the Celtics can really put a, 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 you know, a chasm between themselves and all the other, you know, wannabe contenders to the Cavs or wannabe assailants to the Cavs throne um, would be by adding a, another, another star. And and I think if if they somehow, and I don't know how lucky it is, but you know if they could somehow pry Gordon Hayward out of Utah this summer as a free agent without giving up any of these other assets, without trading away Jay Crowder and any of these picks, then they become really scary, right? Because, I mean, sure, they don't have a star on you know LeBron's scale, who does, um, or, or I would argue even Giannis Adekumbo's scale, right? But um, they do have now... Um, a, a 20 point per game score does a bunch of stuff in Gordon Hayward. They'd still have Isaiah who obviously has a really unique skill set, and they have obviously a bunch of other kind of good quality role players to surround them with. If, if they don't do that though, then you can kind of start to look around and you say, and well, you can, you can do this anyway, right? Is it, you know, especially if you also sign one of these other guys. Um, now all of a sudden you are 
owing Marcus Smart money at some point. He can he's owed an he could be eligible for an extension this summer. Avery Bradley's a year away from needing a new contract. Isaiah Thomas is a year away from a new contract. All these amazing contracts that they currently have, which is why they're able to be so good without having a superstar. All that kind of comes comes to roost a little bit over the next year or two, and they have to start making decisions. And the fact that they haven't traded any of these guys and tried to package them up for you know a quote unquote true superstar, whether it's Jimmy Butler or Paul George. And by the way, I would do, I would be far more interested in going after Jimmy Butler over Paul George simply because of the contract situation and just the concern over Paul George being able to leave yeah. a year from now. Um, not, not to say that Paul George is, is a worse fit or anything like that. I think he might actually be a better fit. But um, but it, it, there, it, that's a, a very tenuous situation, obviously, why the, the idea of being able to just sign um, Gordon Hayward is so appealing up anything. So I think for me the big question is, one, can they get that guy this summer? If they can, if they can get a Gordon Hayward, and I don't know who else they would get in that category, but if they can get a guy like that, then I think they are really scary. And I think the Bucks are certainly a ways behind them just in terms of fundamental talent gap. They don't have a coach like Brad Stevens. Um, and, you know, from an organizational standpoint, I mean, the Celtics have not historically been really that great drafting under, under Danny Ames. That's one area where you could say the Bucks have had more success. And, you know, really Giannis is the, the fundamental you know, swing vote on that. But, um, but otherwise they've, you know, they've been a pretty model organization in a lot of ways. And so to me, the, the question is, can they get that extra superstar ideally by using their cap space? If not, um, can they get a guy without giving up, uh, you know, multiple of these really good assets, right? If, if it's Markel Fultz straight up for Jimmy Butler or something like that, that could make sense to me because I think Jimmy Butler's pretty awesome two-way player. And yeah. I, I don't know if they can beat, I don't know if they can beat the Cavs, you know, this year with Jimmy Butler and the rest of that roster. I don't know if they can do it next year. And I think that the window for a team like the Bucks would be as much as they're adding all these these assets the next couple of years with this year's pick, next year's pick, potentially using that cast pace this summer. Um, I mean, they're going to lose some of these guys, right? I mean, Kelly yeah. Olynyk. They'd have to, I think, round Kelly Olynyk in order to max Hayward this summer, um, given Kelly Olynyk's a restricted free agent. They're not going to be able to keep all of Isaiah Bradley and Marcus Smart if they, you know, add a Markel Fultz or another guy like that. So the, the, you know, as much as they have all these great assets and they're still pretty young and, you know, Jalen Brown's another nice asset for them, you know, they're going to have to get a star somehow because I think a lot of these underpriced role players are going to be priced out of their budget over the next couple of years. And I think that maybe goes a little underappreciated. And I guess, I mean, maybe they just, pay through the nose and go way over into the luxury tax that, that might be something they would do but i think also just from a playing time standpoint like you know are you going to want to pay marcus smart you know eight figures and then have him be kind of become a 15 minute per per night guy when you know you have all these other young guards and things like that I, you know it just it just becomes a numbers game so I, I think the celtics are in a great position obviously no one would deny, deny that but they still don't have that guy that is is on a talent level that Giannis I think is is already on um, in terms of being a dominant two-way type player and I don't know that that's to me the question how do they get a guy who's at least close to that and right now they have they have assets to do it but they've been you know kind of afraid to, to pull the trigger on anything so far and that's the big question to me is is how do they get there I do not fear them in any way like I, I just don't. <laughs> Until, and you you brought it back there. 
by saying that uh, at the end. Unless they trade for Jimmy Butler, I, I'm not scared. Like, like Gordon Hayward, again, I will continue to talk about how great Gordon Hayward is and how underrated he is. But if you get to a playoff series, are you terrified of Gordon Hayward and a 5'9 point guard? I don't think so. So, like, I think they need, and you mentioned it, but they need to hit. They need to find a star. They do not have a, a transcendent star, a guy that is going to be undoubtedly the best player in a series in every series for perpetuity. Like, that player does not exist on the Celtics right now. And they don't, and again, no one's going to have that guy until LeBron moves on and falls out of this insane prime that I guess will just continue forever. Um, but they don't, they don't have that guy. And until you have that guy, it's cute that you got a bunch of guys that are tryhards and work well together and Brad Stevens coaches them up, but that doesn't strike fear in anyone's heart. Uh, it just doesn't. And, and uh, I, I think this year you can kind of see it in that in the Bucks raptors series. The Bucks weren't scared at any point because they had the best player in the series. And uh, you, you heard it from Giannis after the series that he thought they were a better team than the Raptors. And obviously it didn't go that way. They ended up losing in six games. But that's the, that's the confidence. That's the belief you have in your squad when you have – that guy and the Celtics don't have that guy. So uh, I, I just don't really fear them. So I think it would have to be if Fultz hits, that's great. Um, and then I, I thought the other thing that you said that was interesting is that I, I think when you assemble a, a great team like this and you go, what, how many ever deep they go eight deep, 10 deep as you get better, as you continue to win games, those role players get more valuable. Whether or not they become better players, I, I think you could probably argue maybe a number of them plateau. But you have to start shedding those guys. Like they, they, they don't get to stay on those cheap contracts because there's a, a boost that goes into every single contract of every player that's ever been on. A, I, I don't even have to say a championship team. Like 50-win team guys get bumps all the time in the money because they are coming from a winning program they're coming from a winning culture they they just know how to do that so as those if the Celtics continue to have sustained success those guys become more expensive and uh, you mentioned it with Smart and Bradley uh, you mentioned with Olenek like all you don't get to just keep your core eight guys and then add three stars on top of it like you have to shed some of those guys to make meaningful additions. So um, I, I think there's a lot of stuff there where I'm not convinced at all that they are over the hump. And now to my hottest take, Frank, Brad Stevens has been great thus far in the NBA, but I am not totally convinced he's a great NBA coach quite yet. And let me explain Right now, I think he has a team of tryhards. I think he has a team of undersized guys that go out there and give it their all every night. And essentially, that Celtics team, to me, is very much like a college team that he's coached, like college teams that he's coached in general, that they have guys that try hard. But I just think in the NBA, you, you're not a great coach to me until you deal with a superstar. Like You have to understand what it's like to have a guy 
that has that ego, that has all that. And again, you can say Isaiah Thomas is kind of that guy and he's figured it out and to how to get guys to continue playing hard while Isaiah Thomas takes all the shots. And that's great. But Isaiah Thomas is an underdog. He's he's five foot eight. He's out there and he he's a I don't know, a plucky upstart that's just out there fighting and just a fun story. Like he's not a legitimate superstar. So I I think my two big questions are one, they need to get one of those guys and two, I would love to see Brad Stevens coach one of those guys. Cause there's no doubt in my mind that he could be great in that role, but there's been a number of great coaches that have gotten the most out of role players, undersized guys, uh, fringe stars. There's plenty of guys that can reach those guys, but it takes a special coach to reach a superstar. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Brad Stevens is obviously one of those guys that, you know, even if he makes bad decisions, like nobody ever really wants to call him on it because he sort of just has this, you know, halo. To, and, and, and it's to some extent obviously justified. But, I mean, look, this is the first year he's even won a playoff series, right? So um, he, he started, he's obviously not a guy who – He played a lineup that he had never played in the regular season in a playoff series and got just destroyed. And in my mind I was thinking like, who can get away with that? Like, who can honestly get away with that? And apparently Brad Stevens is on the list of guys that can get away with it. I would assume Pop could get away with it. And I think it was during the Wizards series, or maybe it was even during the Bulls series. And he played a five-man unit that had never played together, not a second in the regular season. And it got destroyed. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, no one's upset at this? Like, no one wants to say anything here? Like, that that's a questionable decision. Um, but yeah, he is, he, he's very much in that, in that realm. And the interesting thing too, about that is I'm trying to think, I mean, the Celtics didn't really have major injuries. They didn't really make any major changes. Right. No. I mean, like it'd be one thing if you told me the Raptors played some brand new lineups in the playoffs. Cause well, Lowry was out after the all-star break and they made a couple big trades and you know, they, they had a pretty new roster, which, might also be a reason why the Raptors, you know, would would consider trying to run it back another year because they really didn't get a chance to, you know, play a full season and a new, you know, form that they took after the Ibaka and PJ Tucker trades. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think Stevens is, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, people. I think even going into this playoffs, there's a lot of people said Stevens was like a top three coach. It's like, all right, let's let the guy, you know. <laughs> win some playoff games before yeah. he's the top three coach in the NBA. Um, and, and again, look, like mean, that, he, that wasn't to say like he hasn't been great. Cause like I said before, he has been great. Like, I, I just think there's maybe a little bit too much love and reference reverence given to him uh, this early in his career. Yeah. And I mean, I think the thing is too, is that fans gravitate towards people that, um, who, who are perceived as like, Oh, they have great play calls. You, you know, like yeah. I think that's one of those, one of those things like, you know, we always hear about people referencing that, like, oh, the Celtics have all these great play calls, and Stevens draws up these great plays, and um, you know, that's maybe the part of of the game is more visible and that fans can sort of appreciate, versus like, you know, the behind the scenes stuff and and and, and all those things that that you know we don't see. And again, it's not to say that Brad Stevens is like, oh, he can't motivate a team. Clearly, he's a good coach, yeah, right? And, for sure. Um, but there are also other good coaches. Um, anyway, we got derailed on on brad stevens for for a while here um <laughs> the cleveland cavaliers um how many years does lebron have left that's really the question how, how many years do you think lebron can be this insane superhuman 
monster of an NBA player? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think what, what's so what's kind of weird about this season was we mentioned how the Cavs were a 500 team for a huge portion of the season, the last whatever 52 games or something like that. Um, their defense was very meh all season. Um, and maybe that to, to that extent, I mean, you know, you can look at LeBron. Obviously, he's not sort of the all world defender that that he once was. He picks his spots a lot more than he used to in the regular season. Um, but overall, you look at the numbers he put up this year. I mean, career highs and assists and rebounds, um, you know, his advanced metrics were continued to be, you know, phenomenal, um, you know, better than his first season in Cleveland. Um, you know, not quite, you know, sort of at his ultimate peak years in Miami. But I mean, for any anyone else, he's in just this incredible, you know, rarefied air. And and obviously we're seeing him play at, at an even higher level in the playoffs. And um, and so I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's 32 years old. He's played over 41000 minutes in the NBA. He's never had a major injury, really. Um, I don't think he's ever missed a playoff game. You know, we we've talked about some of his insane minute loads, you know, in the playoffs, especially early in his career, averaging 46 and a half minutes per game, you know, in, in the playoffs early in his career. And, um, you know, looking at him, him now, uh, it's just, I, I agree. It's hard to say. I mean, he's playing 42 minutes per game at the age of 32 and averaging, you know, in the playoffs, 34 points a game, nine rebounds, seven assists, two steals, <laughs> one and a half blocks. I mean, you know, it's just absurd what he's doing. He's shooting 47% from three. Oh, by the way. Um, so what he's doing right now is, is just, I mean, there's no real precedent for it. And I think it, it does make you wonder, well, how the hell it did this team not win more games in the regular season? Um, to me, that says a lot about uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, like not being guys who can really carry teams, which we we know that from their previous pre-LeBron yeah. <laughs> time as well, um, that those guys are, are maybe a bit overrated in terms of their ability to impact wins, you know, without LeBron. Um, but clearly, when you look at it just from a supporting cast perspective, I, I, th- I think what the Cavs have done um, as much as you know, LeBron and, and Giannis are, are different players. Um, I think from an you know, uh, you know, an archetyping standpoint. I mean, sure, it, it's easy for us to say, well, the Bucks should go get, you know, Kyrie Irving and LeBron and, and Kevin Love equivalents to put around, uh, put around Giannis. Okay, yeah, it's easier said than done. Um, but I think when you look at sort of more of the rest of the roster, and and, Ke- and Kevin Love fits into all right. Um, you know, Love. We saw this tonight against the Celtics. I mean. He, he's not necessarily a great defensive player, but he's a great rebounder and he's a guy that, you know, just spaces you out so well for the spot. And so I, I think when you look at them and you look at the way Tristan Thompson and his ability to be a high motor guy and uh, an active defender, and you look at some of the things that the Bucks have, you know, and, and how the Bucks can play, um, you know, are very effective to play Giannis at the four and have, you know, effectively with Giannis, maybe the you know, the best all around for a real full time four man in the game as we've discussed and uh, what he does on both ends is tremendous and um you know can Thon Maker be sort of a, you know a different type of player but provide some of the things Tristan Thompson does where he's you know a motor guy, a defensive hustle guy, a switchable guy who is, you know, again, not going to be played off the court in in play time when teams will go small and try to stretch you out. Um, that's so important to have a big guy that can do that. And um, I think, you know, the challenge then is like all the rest of the pieces, right? And, 
you know, Chris Middleton, a healthy Chris Middleton, you hope can be maybe not, you know, a, a, a true, you know, banana in the, in the, you know, ideal, you know, idea of that. But uh, in terms of doing everything pretty well, to be honest, um, he's obviously an important piece. And then, um, you know, but again, as we've talked about, the big challenge then is more in the backcourt and do the Bucks have those, you know, you're not going to have Kyrie necessarily, but can you, you know, have shooting? Um, and you look at some of these role players that the Cavs have added, um, you know, Channing Fry. you know, the fact that you've got just a guy who has such a quick trigger and can kill teams from deep um, and spread out the floor uh, at your backup five. I mean, that's huge. Um, the fact that you've got the J.R. Smiths uh, and Kyle Korvers that you can roll out and just have them space out the floor. And if teams try to take away LeBron with multiple bodies, you know, in many ways, you're just playing in, into their hands. So uh, they're really good. No doubt about it. I mean, they're showing it in the playoffs. Um, but by the same token, you know, I, I don't think they're going to win the title this year. I think I think Cleveland or sorry, Golden State probably, will, you know, fight gets back at them this year and wins it. And I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see. I mean, you know, the, this team, LeBron is not going to get better despite seemingly getting better this, <laughs> year, this year in a lot of ways. Um, but to get back to, you know, your original question, does he have another two years at sort of this like top five? You know, I mean, I think we all agree he's still the best, scariest player in the league. Um, I could see that still maybe being the case next year. I think the year after that, I think at that point, you know, Durant, Giannis, I think will will surpass him at that point probably, which is pretty awesome that I can say that and not be a total homer when I say it. Um, but I think in terms, especially regular season, all around impact, you know, I think yep. just with LeBron having to pick the spots for, um, I think that's going to be the case. And, um, but I don't know, he, he can just do so much and, and they've just built the team around him so well. And so I think, you know, as much as the pressure on yes to get better, to give the Bucks a chance to be a contender, um, I think it's also, you know, again, we've talked about it, it's on, it's pressure on the Bucks front office to also put, you know, the shooting and complimentary pieces around us, um, like the Cavs of LeBron and, you know, David Griffin has, you know, I think just done such a tremendous job, um, building, you know, acquiring some of these guys that, you know, again, they, they have just done really well in margins with using trade exceptions and, you know, giving up marginal picks for guys that have really helped them. And, um, you, you know, it's, it, they've just done a great job with it. And, and I mean, it's crazy to believe it's, it's crazy to think that this team is, was so close to, to not on a championship last year and maybe not winning a championship this year. And, you know, potentially being this like huge failure in terms of LeBron ever winning his championship in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, the game, the, the, the Things can turn so quickly, and and I think that's also something I would I would I would remind people of, right? I mean, the narrative swings so quickly, and right now the narrative obviously about the players and the cap being, um, but things change quickly, right? And and the caps already this year show very beatable in the regular season, uh, and. You know, I mean, you just think about all these, uh, the, the biggest sort of, you know, some of these big turning points in, in NBA sort of recent history. I, I think back to, I mean, the, nobody thought the Lakers were going to lose to the Pistons really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then it happened. And then the Pistons were really good for a couple of years and the Lakers completely fell apart at the seams and, you know, trades and Shaq was gone and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, and, and, it, and it's funny to think about, the you know, the Laker team that, that won two championships, right? I mean, 
Um, the Lakers team won the championship. The Celtics team that won the championship and almost won another one. I mean, you know, the, those teams, uh, again, were relying on guys that, you know, maybe they were not LeBron types, but things things change quickly, you know. And I think the main thing that teams like the Bucks have to do is just be smart and, and give yourself a chance, right? And then hope that, that you have that superstar and that you've got those supporting pieces to bring out the best in him and and uh, and that you just have that chance, you know. And ultimately it is a – got to win four times out of seven and you, you never know when you might have that chance, you know. And with LeBron, you never think it's going to be a freak injury because he just never is hurt. <laughs> but who knows, yeah. right? Um, that, that could be also a factor at some point in his career. Okay, some thoughts that went through my head as you were talking there. Um, our, our friend Mike Prada at SB Nation tweeted something out tonight that, man, it, when he tweeted it, I could only see Bucks flashing in a neon light uh, right next to this tweet. But he said, two skills that matter more than ever. One, speed of a shooting release. Two, pass timing. Two stats that can mislead. One, three-point percentage. Two, anything assists. And I could only think of the Bucks in that situation because that's really what it is when I think one, you don't see the same level of passing with the Bucks as you do um, with a team like the Cavaliers. And obviously that's pretty much just LeBron being a, an artist as a passer. Um, everything's on time. Everything's in the shot pocket. Everything is just perfect. Whether he's, He's throwing it 10 feet to a wide-open guy on a swing pass or if he's whipping a left-handed pass off of a double team uh, bounced into the corner as that guy comes off a hammer screen. Like, no matter what, LeBron just kind of puts it on, guys, and uh, I think that speaks uh, a lot to his basketball genius and how good he, he has kind of become at those sort of things. So, one, the Bucks don't make passes like that. Like, they're not quite as talented of, of passers. And then, two, man, speed of a shooting release against the Cavaliers. They get shots off so, so fast. If you give Kyle Korver a half a second, it's off. Channing Frye, same way. And even even their more mediocre shooters, like even Shumpert gets shots up pretty quick. <laughs> like yeah. up and down that roster, those dudes get their shots off quick. And obviously uh, they just kind of bomb away from three at times. But it, up and down, J.R. Smith, Kyrie Irving, all those dudes get shots off quickly. And when you look at this Bucks roster, that's kind of a thing that – they do the opposite of uh, specifically, obviously we've talked about Del Vadova and Brogdon doing that, but even to a lesser extent, Middleton, I don't think gets his shot off quite as quickly as, as you may want. And that might just be because he's not quite as of a, a willing shooter as he should be. Cause I think there's certainly been times in that four point play that didn't end up being a four point play in that Raptors game. That makes me think like that is something Chris Middleton can, Middleton can do. Like it was pretty well covered, but still he's, six foot eight he could get that three off quick but that's not always what Chris Middleton does like there's a lot of times where he'll catch and survey and just in the same I guess conversely when you go up and down the Bucks roster there's not really a guy you see there that can get that shot off even a guy with a quick trigger like Mirza Toledovic well he can't get open all the time because he's he's so slow footed like he, he just can't get open to get those shots off quickly despite him being able to do that so um I, I thought that was really interesting and kind of finding that as a as a characteristic it isn't something you think of but when you watch the Cavaliers it's just so obvious that they, they get shots off well and go ahead 
Yeah, and and I was gonna say also, I mean, also having a coaching basis, right? And it seems like the the Bucks coaching staff finally sort of started to figure that out this year um, a, a bit. But you know, as we said, it was really unfortunately for the Bucks. I mean, they were just you know they improved. I think they upped their three point shot rates and make rates by about fifty percent this year. They, they still really didn't keep up with, with no. the league uh, barely right i mean they were still a bottom third team in that regard and um and and so it's interesting you know and i think there's there's a common to a lot of things you need the personnel but you also need you know to have that that game plan to to exploit that and i think there's some things the bucks do certainly in terms of attacking um mismatches and you know trying to use Giannis to to draw gravity you know create gravity and and draw um, opposing double teams, things like that. I mean, that would lend itself very well to a team that was constructed to, to shoot threes. But, you know, again, when you don't, that, that hasn't been, I would say, a, a huge point of emphasis. And, you know, it's it's kind of been like, well, let's get guys who can make a good percentage. And, you know, as you pointed out with, with um, you know, the, the, the Prado reference, um, you know, Delvadova, good percentage, doesn't shoot enough. Yep. Brogdon, good percentage, doesn't shoot enough. Um, and, and so it's, it's definitely one of those things where you're, you, you know, okay, it's better, but, but it's not quite, quite good enough. And I, I think we're seeing again in, in terms of these teams that are, are in the final four here, um, the Spurs really are kind of the part of the big counterpoint, you know, the Spurs are, are still a pretty old school off. You know, I mean, they, they've kind of gone backwards offensively in a lot yeah. of ways because of Aldridge and, um, you know, some of the guys, I mean, we, you know, we do see like Pau Gasol shooting more threes, things like that. But th- this is not sort of the, the Spurs team, I would say, that we saw um, dismantle the heat a few years ago no. that, you know, sort of did it with, with three-point shooting. Um, but the Cavs, the Celtics, and obviously the Warriors, I mean, these are teams that shoot tons and tons of threes. And so much of their offense is predicated on, on being able to to spread you out and and have guys at at bigger positions who who can shoot from the perimeter so um so you would hope that, that will continue to be a a point of emphasis and i mean god damn it like put fun in some pick and pops instead of having him <laughs> roll when i mean what did he finish two pick and rolls all year or something yeah. like that i mean i think of that one that side pick and roll in, in against indiana which we still can can remember because it happened so rarely that he actually was able to roll and it was like with tony snell of all yep. people finding him um but for the most part nothing good happens when thon maker rolls to the rim i mean maybe you track a little bit of offensive attention but it's not like peak tyson chandler rolling down the middle of the rim for alley oops <laughs> no, right no. i mean they're just it just hasn't hasn't really delivered much and um and so you know if that's a guy's skill like i want to see him shoot a lot of threes um especially when he's since he's on the court with Giannis so much um i don't know anything anything else so i mean i was gonna say i actually want to answer the cavaliers question um yeah so with the cavaliers i think for lebron being crazy lebron there's probably like two more years left of that the only thing that concerns me is it seems like he would age gracefully um obviously though he's already played 14 nba seasons so even if there is two more years of this kind of peakish and and this isn't peak lebron but still like superhuman lebron even if there's two more years of that and then he he ages gracefully in years 17 through 20 um and again who knows if he plays that long uh, we have no idea how long he'll play but even if he does do that there's, I think there would be enough concern with the Cavaliers finding finding the guys that can can kind of complement him and how the guys that complement him will 
change as time goes forward because obviously he's still going to want to be surrounded by shooting and maybe he just kind of adds some pounds and ends up playing power forward all the time um, or and just kind of operates from the block and doesn't do as much attacking off the dribble and in pick and rolls and stuff like that. But I, I would think as time goes forward, you need someone to really take the creation load and also the defensive load. And I, I don't think Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love are those guys. Um, so at some point the Cavaliers would have to find that, but still, Again, we talk about trying to project too far in the future and how quickly things could happen. I think there's two years of peak LeBron left, or not peak LeBron, but superhuman LeBron, and those the the Cavs are going to be in that contending spot for the next two years for sure. So um, I I don't feel confident writing them off quite yet, Um, but that just means that the Bucks are kind of aspiring for that. Like that would be the team that they should be aspiring to play in an Eastern Conference Finals um, in uh, the second round, wh- wherever it may be. That is that is the team that they should be aspiring to catch here. Um, again, I just don't see it with the, with any of those other teams, and uh, like I raised that, with the Celtics included in that. Is there any team – I mean, we were focusing obviously on the teams that were in the top four already this year. Is there any other team that you look at in the East as – the most likely to challenge the Bucks, and maybe it's not next year or the year after that. But you know, look beyond that, right? Let's let's say LeBron and the Cavs at some point begin to fall off a little bit. Um, three, four, five years from now, is there a team that jumps out at you um, as as a team that that you know that's the team that the Bucks might have to go through to you know to make it out of the East, for instance, and other than Cleveland? I mean, a healthy Sixers team, just because of how good Embiid has been, and then uh, a non-Dolanized Knicks team, um, if if that makes any sense. Because if you're looking for the next kind of superstar stars, like it's Porzingis and Embiid in the East, right? Like those would be the two guys that really stick out to me as guys that can be game changers, as guys that can be franchise setters. And even I don't even even know if those two guys – are those guys just because with Embiid with the health concerns and Porzingis I think there's always the obvious concern with guys that are trying to be lead guys for a, a team they're trying to be top 10 guys having someone need to get you the ball is very detrimental to that and that's kind of one of the reasons why I've always put Giannis kind of on a bit higher plane than those two because both Embiid and Porzingis need someone to get the ball up the floor and get them the ball. Granted, you can do amazing things if you get them in the right spots and they can make plays and do a lot of great stuff, but you do need someone to bring the ball up. While with Giannis, he can just grab it, go, and everything is immediately into their offense and he can just dominate games that way. While with those two, I'm I'm not quite sure that they can do it, but yeah, I, I think Knicks and Sixers would be the other two in the the lower half of the Eastern Conference that I would be thinking, okay, maybe maybe the Bucks could see them going forward. I would not I did not expect you to list the Knicks just because there's no real path to de dolanizing the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like you know, I didn't say it was a, a particularly realistic option, but if they could, uh Porzingis is uh, it, just terrifying to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I like Porzingis a lot. I don't really view him as a 
lead banana superstar type guy necessarily. I think of him more as like a great second second guy. But okay. um, but you know, certainly he's he's got a ton of talent, right? And and the fact that he's been really productive playing on a team that obviously has there are a lot of reasons to you know for him to be less productive because of what he's surrounded by um that was a really kind way of saying the Knicks are a shit show but I appreciated it yeah but I mean and he's got not only you know Dolan working against him but also you know Phil Jackson just I just the game has passed him by right I mean it's it, it was funny to um it, it was funny. I was listening to uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue on the Dunk Down podcast recently, and they were talking about how, you know, the the old the, the Lakers team that won the title not not so long ago. Um, one of their big the big planks of their defense was they 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 wanted to give up corner threes because they thought that um, you could run off that better off a missed corner three, <laughs> and. You know, I think the, all the data that has come out on that is that 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 is not a good strategy. I mean, I, I think everyone knows that you know at this point that corner threes are you know the most valuable shot and blah blah blah. But yeah. um, but it, but it's interesting. I mean, you know, people talk about the triangle and Phil Jackson's obsession with you know fitting people into this triangle for no apparent reason. Um, but you know, you, you know, even you look back to when he was successful it seems to be in in some cases in spite of you know things that that you know at the time they held to be true and i'm sure other teams also probably felt the same way um and and you just don't look at phil jackson and feel like he's a guy who actually is going to evolve with the game right i mean yeah. you just don't think that he wants his team to shoot a ton of threes right so um so yeah i think phil and and uh and dolan are are both impediments to that and um and i don't know we'll, we'll see where that team goes next year i mean it, it's a weird situation that they're in <laughs> I, I would have picked philly as well um you know i just think we saw at their best even this year um Embiid is just such a game changer on both ends um and and that's just the kind of player if he's healthy it can just can just make such a huge difference and um i mean the the good news for the bucks and the rest of the east is that you know for for all of the great things hanky sam hanky did trading um you know, Embiid is really the only guy you'd pick out in in drafting that actually was, you know, a, a really good pick. And arguably, it wasn't. You know, it's not like it necessarily took a rocket scientist, given their situation, to to, to roll the dice on Embiid. Um, but you know, drafting MCW over Giannis and and others, uh, obviously, that just still seems weird. As much as he saved it by by trading away MCW when he was still worth something, um, you know, the Okafor pick. Uh, on top of the Embiid and Noel picks, I mean that's, I mean that that's just that that move I think now is looking fairly catastrophic because they don't, can't seem to get much of anything for Okafor, and you know he's just cramping up the, the entire roster, right? I yeah. Mean, you know, and, and it's easy to say, oh, they should have taken Porzingis. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to play revisionist history. I know, I know that you know common sense at the time said that Okafor was the best player available, but. You know, when you just try to play the BPA game and you say, "Oh, we'll just trade play, well, we'll just draft for talent, and then we'll just trade players," well, you know, Nerlens Noel is gone, and they got very little for him. Jaleel Okafor presumably will get traded, and I don't think they're going to get that much for him. And you know, that's a number six pick, that's a number three pick that um, that you effectively got very little to. to nothing for yeah so they they really did need him beat to hit and they need to really hit with um with this third pick uh coming up in this draft so and and they have some other guys you know like i mean i think luau uh and and furkan korkmaz who they drafted and stashed in turkey uh late in the first round last year i mean they have some interesting talent beyond you know kind of the guys we know and 
I think Simmons obviously will be the the big X factor, right? Is he going to be um, a really really good player, or is he going to be you know a flawed player who doesn't play much defense and can't shoot? And yeah. you know, I think Saric is is an interesting player, but I would be trying to trade Saric like. <laughs> yesterday at this point given given the kind of guys they're looking at in the draft at that spot i just don't think him and i don't think him and simmons make sense i don't think him and and you know josh jackson and ben simmons make any sense whatsoever so um so anyway i don't do we want to do we want to talk at all about quickly and i'll say quote unquote quickly um about the guys that were in milwaukee today for workouts well i i just tweeted it out here while we were recording but uh one of my favorites ivan rab will be here uh, in Milwaukee tomorrow. Um, so let's save some of that draft prospect stuff. Uh, uh, TJ Leaf, another one of my guys, Wesley Awandu. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in today. Derek White. Yep, Derek White was in today. Um, and then uh, also Devin Robinson from Florida, um, all guys that were kind of connected to the Bucks at the Combine or said something to the extent of, like, hey, you know what, I think I could fit in in Milwaukee. We're all in Milwaukee uh, today, uh, which is Wednesday, um, and then we'll see who else is on the list, but Ivan Rab would be a big one uh, tomorrow, and uh, let's, let's save some draft prospect stuff for them, um, and then we can talk about it, uh, I, I guess, tomorrow. Does that sound okay? Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. We, I'm, I'm fired up. I, 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 it's early in the off season, and I'm, I'm, I've got lots of energy to talk about Milwaukee Bucks basketball. All right, sounds good. That's what we'll do. Um, today's episode of Lockdown Bucks was brought to you by SeatGeek, and again, use the promo code L O B U C K S again. Hello Bucks for Locked On Bucks to get a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase or just go to SeatGeek today and find some great deals uh, some great deals on tickets there. That's going to be it for us for Frank Mann this has been Eric name. Uh, we will talk to you I guess tomorrow. It sounds like, right? We we are fired up and ready to do it. So we'll talk to you that tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to some draft and some draft workouts, draft prospects, etc. So that should be a good time. We'll talk to you tomorrow.